This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. I am Glenn Nagy coming to you from a KOA campground in my old hometown of New Holland, Pennsylvania. And I'm Jamie Jennings coming to you from my house in Norman, Oklahoma. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for August 25th, episode 2754, brought to you today by Stateline Tech. Good morning, Horse World. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining this us this morning. We are still on the road show. The way I count it, we have eight days left. The, the way you we'll count home. it, or is that the official, you have eight days left? I think we have eight days left. Uh, <laughs> I think it's eight off. days. We're supposed to be home on the second or third, so I think we have eight days left. I've lost track of what day of the week it is, let alone where we are. You kind of do when you're traveling all the time, lose track of, because weekend's no different than weekday, right? So Yeah, it's Wednesday. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, we had a correction to our show on Monday, because we're just wrong, I guess. Yes, uh, this it's it's not a correction I would I'd like to make because it's so traumatic. But we talked about the horse's very very viral story, bold and bossy. The mare who escaped Ellis Park jumped out, dumped her rider, and took off and was running down the road. And apparently she ran off a bunch of her shoes, and it was a big mess. And and the 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 dilemma was did because the stories were it was so fresh because it was the next day, the next morning that we were reading the story, there was a barn fire at Ellis Park that same night, the receiving barn. And the story that that I got was that the horse ran away from Ellis Park and there was a barn fire at Ellis Park. Bless her. Bald and bossy was in the dang barn fire. This is just (laughs) unreal. That is a very bad day. She's got burns down her neck, shoulders, withers, Uh, and back, and she's in rude and riddle. And uh, she is expected to make a full recovery from her injuries. But dear God, somebody retire that mare. Put her in your (laughs) pasture. Have you put in for her already? I'm going to put her in my virtual stable right now. (laughs) So she screws up her feet and then gets burns all over her back. She ended up running six miles, Glenn. She traveled six miles at a dead run down the freeway and people were videoing her as they were going. And like the video I saw was somebody was like, Oh my God, look at that horse. And they speed off, like stop and help do something. But a normal horse person, I guess, can't think of something like that. Like I was thinking, what would I do if I saw a horse running down the freeway? I guess I would probably try to get in front of them and slowly start to slow down. Like an outrider would do with the horse. Like all the things happened in my brain. What would, what actually transpire if I saw this, but who knows what you would do in that situation? Hell, I'd probably be like, Chad, take the wheel. <laughs> Leaning out the window, trying to grab a bridle, you know, but bless her. She, and then she was in the dang barn fire. I swear. I, I said this on Monday that I feel like maybe she ran away because she knew it was coming. That mare can tell the future. Oh, maybe. Maybe that's we one need way to, to look at we, it. She can tell the future, and she's gifted, and or, an animal communicator needs to get in line with her because she might know right? what's was happening. Was she coming out of the start box? She was apparently approaching the starting gate when she During tossed a race. her. 
Yeah, like heading to a race. Yeah, if you've oh. seen the video, which I don't know if you have, she is in full race gear. And she was she had the saddle cloth on and everything. So she dumped the rider and oh, then see, escaped I this Ellis was Park. A practice time. I didn't no. know it was during the race. It was going to the race. I mean, again, she's galloping down she the road in her number three <laughs> saddle cloth or whatever. She's like, peace. <laughs> I don't know that we've ever had a story in all the years we've been doing this of a horse that escaped during a race. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Pretty Practice, crazy. yes, but not during a race. Oh, my God. Poor thing. She needs to retire. Now her feet are screwed up and her top screwed up. I uh, know. Top to bottom. Bless her. Ugh. And again, like I said, an animal communicator needs to hook up with her and tell yes. us the future. What is the future of our country in well, Afghanistan need, and COVID and she, all the things? She doesn't need a vet. She needs psychiatric help after that day. Holy Bless cow. Bless her heart. Oh. Anyway, on today's show, we're going to talk a little bit more about the road show and what we're up to. Also, we're going to meet an auditor who's also an ICU nurse. She's had an interesting year. Her name's Danielle, and she was here camping with us. And our Daily Dose health report is on grading lameness, uh, something that I know many of you are dealing with because almost every barn we stop at, everybody's horse was lame. So in one shape or another. Um, we just found out this morning that Jennifer's horse, Nigel, is fine. Remember, he was a little lame before we left, and now he's not sweating, and this horse sweats like crazy. So that's out for that. We also have some weird news, all of that going on on today's show. We'll have a post-show for you. Uh, I I was told that there's a, a something that we can't do in the weird news section that we have to save for the post-show. So Yeah, you know what? I just... <clears throat> Reproductive tendencies need to stay in the post-show. Yes, I agree. Anything with involving reproduction. I agree with that. <laughs> Well, there were no auditor birthdays today, but it is my niece's birthday, Angie, and I'm adding her in here. I don't normally do this, but I'm adding her in here because we're also going to her wedding on Friday in Valley Forge. So she's nice. having her birthday today and getting married on Friday, and we just happened to be in Pennsylvania when that was happening, so that worked out well. So we'll be attending the wedding on Friday. Well, I was tagged in a post on Facebook that is done by a listener named Colt Farrington, possibly the hottest guy name ever, Colt. Yes. And he said, how about something good on a Tuesday night? Y'all remember the Colt we had uh, that had all the trauma when he was born? Well, he made it. He's growing into a big boy now. He's 14 months old, has an attitude. I like his spunk. His name is Zero, but his papers came today. And he said, I know my Facebook friend and idol Jamie Jennings loves quarter horse names. They are her favorite. So he would like to introduce all of us to Doc's No Diggity. And I <laughs> would like to say that in quarter horse names, that's all right. But it makes me think of No Diggity. Got to grab it up. And then I thought, what could I have named Doc's No Diggity? That would have been a little more appropriate for a quarter horse and um, this is what I came up with. So you're going to have to read to the papers, Colt, because his name is now Doc Bar Bueno Lena Smoke Smart Skipper Hancock. <laughs> I don't know. Will that fit? I don't know. Obviously, it needs to be Doc Bar Bueno Lena Smoke Smart Skipper Hancock. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, but he's got a red rooster in his name too. So now it's got to be Doc Bar Bueno Lena Smoke Smart Skipper Hancock Rooster. <laughs> God, <laughs> Coral Wars people ridiculous. <laughs> So the U.S. Paradressage team presented their horses for the first horse inspection at the Paralympic Games in Tokyo. All four horses passed the inspection, and they're going to start competing tomorrow, Thursday, as we're recording this. And uh, they had they do different grades. We've talked about that on the show before. And tomorrow will be grade two, four, and five. Uh, the team is comprised of Rebecca Hart, who's been on our show several times. She has a 12-year-old KWPN. A gelding and uh, Beatrice D. Lavalette, her 14-year-old KWPN gelding, Kate Schumacher, or Shoemaker, and her 14-year-old Hanoverian. See a trend here, and Roxanne Trunnell and her nine-year-old Hanoverian. So we got two KWPNs and two Hanoverians. Now uh, Charlotte was the second alternate, right? Right. Yeah, and she's home now. She's waiting for her horse. I think what I read yesterday is in Miami. So she's flown home and her horse is going to be making uh, way home as well. So she she did not get to go to Tokyo. What an amazing honor, though. And it's got to be tough because you want to be a part of the team and make it, but you don't want, you know, a couple of your teammates to go down, especially when you're, I mean, you spend all this time so close with everybody and you're all kind of in the same journey. You're all having the same, uh, you know, where you you want to represent your country and you want to do good and and that's got to be tough but we are really proud of you Charlotte oh my gosh you've just been amazing and good and luck know, to everybody and you know Charlotte is very very positive about everything and she did post yesterday that she's so you know that she's very excited that she had this adventure it also kind of gives her training for what it's like before she gets to go the next time so yeah. Um, so she's, she's really good about it. And, uh, we are very proud of our friend. So I have to be, before we get to our first guest, so we're in Pennsylvania, we're in Lancaster County, not too far, like a couple minutes outside the town where I went to high school, New Holland, but everybody knows New Holland from the terrible auction. That's here question. Did you take Jennifer to your old high school and show no, her around? No, I did not. Matter of fact, I almost didn't recognize it. It's changed so much. Uh, it's been a few years, you know, a few. Just so, yeah. So go in there and see if you have any old teachers, you know, be like, oh my God, these halls are so much smaller than I remember. <laughs> that kind of thing. No. Oh, I got word before I got here that two of my old teachers who I knew re really well had passed away in the last month. So Aww. there you go. <laughs> it's, we're, I'm at that age where my teachers are passing away. We're going to see one of my old teachers tonight, actually. Um, so. See? We are here, and one of our auditors, Danielle, came down from northern Pennsylvania a couple hours. She has a brand-new camper, so she wanted to try it out. You'll hear from her in a minute. But she told us about these, these lantern flies that are causing a problem. And if you live in the Northeast, you probably heard about this, but those of us in the rest of the country have not. Uh, they're spotted lantern flies, and I had you look them up. Um, yes. They look more like a moth, I think than a fly it, but it's a black and it's a white with black spots and then some red with black yeah, when spots they, when they make their wings go they're red on the inside so it's very haunting looking plus they have these bright orange eyeballs yeah and, and then the thing was when i when you when you made me google spotted lanternfly to see what they are first of all i don't understand how big they are but it's about an inch or the, longer the thing it says is kill it like yes. it is like kill the spotted lanternfly you see when kill it it looks like a fairly big bug 
I well, don't know if I'm be able to kill that. We have met two now in person. One landed on our table outside while we're eating dinner right in front of us. And uh, we did manage to kill that one. Another one was on my windshield yesterday, just hanging on for the ride. So they are around here. Did you turn your wiper blades on and smear it across your windshield? I did, and he flew away. So I didn't get to smear them across my windshield. They do say, this is what it says. And, and it's moving north. Apparently, they did start in Maryland, but they're in Pennsylvania now. And they're trying to keep them from go- hitting northern Pennsylvania. But this is a serious problem. Uh, they are known to cause serious damage to trees, including oozing sap, wilting, and leaf curling. And in more serious cases, they can cause trees, vines, crops, and many other types of plants to die. I don't know if you remember the gypsy moth from years ago. Where um, did lantern flies come from? Uh, China. Oh, well, that's weird. <laughs> so there you go. They think they came in on some shipping containers from China. So how does the, anything survive in China? How is anything alive in China? Because everything know. in China comes to us and kills us. I don't know. Pennsylvania officials give the following advice to those who encounter the pesky insects. And this is what they wrote on their Twitter feed. Kill it, squash it, smash it. Just get rid of it. So there you, know you what? go. If you're a spotted lanternfly aficionado, you can send your complaints to Jennifer at <laughs> horseradionetwork.com. <laughs> <laughs> they have actually, I don't know what this means. It says the state's agriculture department added eight additional counties to its spotted lanternfly quarantine list for a total of 34 of the 67 Pennsylvania counties. What I really feel that? like the people in Pennsylvania are missing the boat. I think it's so big, it might be good eating. <laughs> Do they tell mm-hmm. the lanternflies you're in a quarantine county and you can't go across a line? What? I don't know what that means. <laughs> I do know that when, when Danielle left, they said they had to check the undercarriage of their trailer and their truck and make sure they're not carrying any with them to upstate New York or Pennsylvania. It looked, so it looked delicious. I, I don't know. It's a weird thing. I never, I hadn't heard about it before we came here camping. So let's hear from Danielle uh, right after we hear from our title sponsor of the Roadshow, and that's Kentucky Performance Products. He was her first love. The one that started it all. He taught her how to master the posting trot and navigate her first hunter course. They spent hours together exploring the trails and hanging out in the barn. His name was doodled on every page in her school notebook. His coat gleamed in the sun as he met her at the gate each day, snuffling for a treat. From the first time she saw him poking his head out of the stall to the last time she patted him goodbye, He was, and always will be, her everything. This love story is brought to you by Nalox Advanced, providing complete support for a healthy digestive tract, which reduces the risk of colic and digestive upset. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today. So I am here with an old, old, old friend of Horse Radio Network. We know her for a long time. She's been on cruises before. And I don't know, you and I talk a lot for some reason, especially through COVID and stuff. We were talking because you're a nurse. So we have Danielle here, who's from, what, two hours north of where we are now, which is right outside of New Holland, Pennsylvania, right outside of Intercourse and Burdenhand and all of that. Or you, matter of fact, did you notice we drove through Burdenhand to get to Intercourse? I did. I did. <laughs> And isn't Blue Ball somewhere really close? We were in Blue by? Ball this morning, so yep, <laughs> we did a mall today. 
<clears throat> so this is my old stomping ground here in New Hall. As a matter of fact, we went to Shady Maple uh, Far Farmer's Market, which is the store we used to shop at when I was kids every week. For 18 years, my mother would drag us along to Shady Maple. It's a little bigger now, but they have everything. So I did get some whoopie pies, Danielle. I did get uh, pumpkin whoopie pie. And you had just tasted one. Was it a good? They were good. Yeah. yeah. Pumpkin whoopie pies are one of my favorites. Yeah. I think I like them better than chocolate. So I like those chocolate peanut butter and the shoe fly ones. Oh. She couldn't find shoe fly pie, but we're heading up to the Burnham Farmer's Market tomorrow. They will have shoe fly oh, pie yeah. there for sure. So, Danielle, you drove, what, two hours? You're two hours north of here. You're kind of in the hills of Pennsylvania. Yeah, central Pennsylvania, just south of Sunbury, which is, Sunbury's right where the Y of the Susquehanna is. So we're just south of that. And that's coal country up there, isn't it? Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of coal country around us, anthracite coal. Yeah, and uh, isn't the town that's still burning up that way? Yes. <laughs> What's it called? Um... I can't remember. Somebody's going to know. I can't know. either. Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> we were, went through it the one time, and it is kind of creepy because they have all these vents. in the Centralia. Centralia. Yeah. And it's we were steaming. just at Pioneer Town, and you can take a tour of the coal mine, and they have the biggest anthracite coal vein in the world there. That was really cool. We were just there not too long ago. So one of the things we've been talking about with listeners on this trip, because you know you've been listening to the shows, is and thank you for coming down to spend the day with us. They got a brand new camper too, so they were trying. It's your first time, right? Yeah, this is our first real trip with hooking up and stuff. So it's been fun. Haven't had any major issues. Our outdoor shower was turned on when we hooked up the water, so that was a little spray. <coughs> Sorry about that. And did you get wet? No, that was the husband. <laughs> So we have a routine now after after doing this for taking up and down, what, four times a week for the last three weeks. I do the outside stuff. She does the inside stuff. And then we're not in each other's way. Nobody gets mad at each other. Yeah. I think that's going to be our routine, too. Yeah. That's kind of what we did this time. Except I followed around to kind of learn how to do the outside stuff in case I needed or if I remembered something that he forgot. There's definitely a learning curve. And this is a beautiful campground. We are right now sitting at our picnic table, and it, it, we're it, like in the wooded area. It has an open area of the campground that has a view of at least 20 miles of Amish farms. It's a beautiful view from up here. And then we're kind of in a it's little gorgeous. wooded area in the back. It's a nice campground. I'd come here again. Yeah, it's this really nice. quiet and friendly. <clears throat> and then you guys, thank you for cooking last night. Appreciate that. We came Absolutely. over to their campsite, which is right next door. Uh, so now we've been talking a lot about what people do for a living, and you're an ICU nurse. This has been a hell of a year, and I know that because we have been talking a lot. Yeah, it's been a heck of a year, and then just when we thought it was over, now there's like a major staffing shortage because everybody's going to travel to all the hot spots where they can make a fortune. So that's what's happening now is the is your nursing friends have all decided to do traveling nursing and make a lot more money? A lot of them have, yeah. That or they're just burned out and they're getting away from the bedside mm. from the previous year. Are you burned out? Where are you at? I'm kind of burned out, but I've had a nice break this year as well since I had a baby. So I had three months off for that and I have a lot of vacations. I don't know if up. having a baby's a break. It's a break from the ICU. <laughs> Which is worse. <laughs> Definitely the ICU. <laughs> Your baby is so cute, too. You might have seen auditors. You might have seen me uh, holding holding the baby in a picture. Yes, I hold babies. Jennifer, you will never see holding a baby. <laughs> <laughs> she petted the dog. She did pet the dog, yes. She likes dogs. She likes animals. Not so much babies. So, so it's been a tough year. It has. It's been really rough. And then it's getting worse again. So you're in for another round, I assume. We but are. I think this time you, you're, I assume you have more PPE and stuff than you had before. 
That's so far, we haven't had anybody like restricting the use of our PPE. If we're calling down to get stuff, like new papper hoods and stuff, we can usually get those. All of our rooms are already set up for negative pressure, so we just have to like ourselves we can just flip a switch we don't have to call maintenance to come up and do anything we're not having to shift patients out of entire units to make them negative pressure it was a very quick learning curve last year a lot of stuff done really fast what made you want to do an icu nurse i originally went to nursing school because i wanted to be a nurse anesthetist um where they work in the or and put people to sleep and to do that you need icu experience so i did an externship on the icu and I loved it. Did my year or two on the ICU, applied for anesthesia school, got accepted, did that for about a year and a half and absolutely hated it. Boring? I, I didn't even get to the interesting part of anesthesia school. I hated being back in school. All my friends were like doing fun things. It was a fun <laughs> time in my life. I was used to having money and I hated being broke. And I really, truly missed the bedside nursing. So I called up my boss at the time. I was like, take me back. <laughs> and I came back and I've been at the bedside ever since. And you're very active. You you are a bike rider. You're a hiker. You do all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's probably a little harder with two kids now, but two young kids. But I know that you're very active, but you're also into horses, obviously. And your mother is into horses. Yeah, my mom, my mom and my mom co-own Rosie, who's our Morgan Arabian. She's older. She's in her mid-20s. And then you have an Arabian. I do. His name's Paulo. He's my boy. I've had him since he was four. And he's probably about 21 now. I'm terrible at checking the papers and seeing when his birthday is. Every time I check it, he's a couple years older than I think he is. <laughs> so at this point, with knowing he's in his early 20s, I'm afraid to check it in case he's later. <laughs> so why an Arab? My original riding instructor had Arabians at her farm, and that's who I took lessons with, and that's what I learned on, so that's just what I thought was the best horse, and we mesh really well. Like, Paulo is my heart horse. Like, we've been together forever. We've gone cool places. I've had him on the beach, and I only realize how hard he is to ride when I ride somebody else's horse. <laughs> when you ride a plug quarter horse, you realize how hard yours is? Yeah, even, like, even the thoroughbreds I've ridden I'm like oh this is what it's supposed to feel like because he is just wiggly like he doesn't misbehave but he's never travels straight he doesn't focus very well <laughs> and you uh you do mostly trail riding mostly trail riding I've taken dressage lessons did a little bit of very low jumps like I think two feet would be the highest I've jumped. How the low focusing Arabian do a dressage he actually does really well yeah. you just have to like always be changing your patterns and stuff because he just likes to be thinking mm -hmm. but you have to make him think different things quickly i think that's why they like endurance because they see new things all the time you know it's always new yeah that's my goal with hopefully when the girls get older i'll be able to get them into horseback riding and then do endurance with them because then we'll have to be out on the trails for hours at a time well the five month old right Yes. The five-month-old was eating the butt of a horse this morning, so I assume <laughs> that that's a good sign. Yeah, she was. And <laughs> Emmy loves the horses. She's and we're talking about a toy horse, by the way. We, uh, <laughs> we don't have a horse here at the campground. Yeah. 
Yeah. Although we see a lot of them. As a matter of fact, when first thing when we pulled in yesterday, we saw uh, right from the field across, they had uh, a plow team of four Percherons out doing the fields. And that was a surprise because mostly the Amish that we've seen in the old days were using Belgians. And, Belgians. Yeah. And a lot of the Belgian like mules, like the big yeah. crosses you'll see. Well, they go all day. I yeah. mean, that's why they just go all day. But these was four black Percherons. I don't think any Amish has ever owned a white Percheron. <laughs> You'd want to clean that. Now, you have a lot of Amish up in your area, too. We do. Is it different? Are they the white buggy Amish up there? No, we have the black buggy. Okay, because I, yeah. I know that in, in uh, up there uh, to the west of you, I think, they get into the white buggy and even yellow buggy. Yeah, and I didn't even know that was a thing, so I mustn't have yeah, traveled Penn to State, that direct Yeah, when you area. get to Penn State and that area, then there's white and yellow buggies. Freaked yeah. me out the first time I saw it. It's like, what the heck? Is there a white buggy doing here? Yeah. I'd only ever seen black. So uh, why do you like living where you live? I like it because it's in the middle of nowhere. Um, it takes us about 20 minutes to get to a grocery store. But it's my hometown. Like, I grew up there. The majority of my family is Graduating there. class of 10 or 15. I think it was 95. <laughs> I knew it had to Something be like that. It was I knew, low. I knew it had yeah. to be small. But you're also outdoorsy, and that's a very outdoorsy area. Yeah, there's lots of hiking in the area, biking. There's really good trails for trail running. We have a rock gym not too far from us, like a half hour that we can Plus go you have to. the Susquehanna if you oh, want yeah. to get out kayaking oh. and all that stuff. Yeah, we kayak and paddleboard. We have an island that we stay overnight on. Other than Amish, is there a lot of sport horses in, up in central Pennsylvania, or are they mostly down in the where we're headed next, in the Berks County area? Probably more that way. Like, you do have some people who are competitive competitive in our area, but most people are more casual riders. Like yeah. Trail riding. Well, you have riding. a lot of trail riding, so mm -hmm. it's perfect for that. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us here. We really appreciate you coming down. We were going to try and get up to your area until I looked at how many hours of extra driving it would take to get up to you and then back down here, and it was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of extra But it was driving. nice for us to come down and get away, and it worked out really well. And we've had, actually, it rained for a little bit, but it's been perfect weather otherwise. And you got to try out your new camper. We did. It was, it's been a success. So. Tell, tell everybody what kind you got. We got a Gray Wolf. 26 bhs so it's a bunkhouse yes. no slides it's under 30 feet so easy to haul yep you got the bunkhouse for the kid and the kid doesn't like sleeping in the bunkhouse nope just slept <laughs> on the couch last night with the pack and play set up on where the table is <laughs> traveling with kids it's gotta fun. be creative thank you danielle oh you're welcome well, ironically, we were talking about the spotted lantern flies, and I went to Stateline Tech to see what was going on over there, and they have a fly-free end-of-summer saving sale. They're saving <laughs> the world at Stateline Tech. <laughs> Apparently, they're saving you from the spotted lantern flies and all the other kinds of flies, too. I wonder if the fly sprayed, like they have a warehouse clearance on Farnham TriTech. Do you think spotted lantern flies are on that list? Because these I, are big flies. I could not even guess. I, I don't either. I don't either. I don't know what I don't know that I don't think they bite like people and horses. But anyway, if you want to go, they have three pages of stuff uh, marked down over there at the end for an end of uh, end of season sale for flies. Now, we don't have an end of season for flies in Florida. They're just pretty much there. All the well, time. they have the rescue disposable fly traps for three dollars a piece. I get them on Amazon for six. Really? Oh, my God. Watch out. Here we go. <laughs> There it is. How many Jamie's will they let me buy? 
<laughs> oh, Jennifer gets that kind too. The kind you hang up that has a little yellow thing. Dude, I have murdered 10 billion flies because of this thing. I mean, I put up five a it week. It does work. Every week, they are so full. There's like maggots in it. So yeah, gross. but it, I mean, it starts to smell, doesn't it? Oh, oh that's when you take them out. They're like, oh, God, it's bad. Yeah. But you know what? I, 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 I hold my nose and I walk by and I go, ha, 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 ha. You can't get out. You're stupid. Jamie will not kill anything in the house, but in the barn, those flies have to go. That's... Get out. <laughs> well, if you want fly masks or fly sheets or anything else fly, you can head on over to statelinetech.com right now. And I'll have to tell Jennifer about this because she gets those too. And I guarantee you, she spends more than that. So, Three dollars. That is a steal. Okay, Stateline. Just when I think I'm out, you pull me back in. I wonder how many they let you order because uh, they would have to have one. Let me see if I can add 10. I put in 20 and added it to cart and it was fine. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Head on over there today. StatelineTech.com. You better get there quick before Jamie buys them all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's... Uh, Let's head our next thing we're going to talk about it real quick is that we have a road show coming up that is this Sunday and it, it is in Lorton, Virginia. So head on over to horseradionetwork.com. Click on the banner at the top of the page. It gives you all the details of where it is, when it is. It's Sunday at five o'clock, Lorton, Virginia. And it's at Lindsay's uh, place, and it's kind of in the suburbs. So we're not at a farm this time, uh, right out of DC, apparently. So head on over there and check that out. We have about 20 people signed up. We're just going to have a little cookout there at her place and have some nice. fun hanging out. We did it on a Sunday night because uh, traffic is kind of uh, ridiculous there any other time. So really? hope you can get over there and see us. And then we have one other meetup in North Carolina, and that's it. We're going to be home. So you can find both of those remaining meetups right there. Uh, so let's go on to our health segment next. This is brought to you by Daily Dose Equine. It's about grading lameness. And we did this one a little while back, but I picked it out simply because literally, Jamie, every barn we've stopped at, horses have been lame. Everywhere. I mean, it seemed like it was the lame trip because every horse has been lame. I don't so know what basically, is this time of year. So basically, if you have sound horses and Glenn is slated to come to your house, turn him away. Yeah, don't, don't do it. Run. <laughs> <laughs> Run. So, yeah, we're we're going to hear from uh, Dr. Denny or Jenny Johnson uh, about grading lameness. All right. So today we'll be talking about uh, grading lameness and the, and the quantification of the lameness severity. Okay. Well, as I said, you know, scoring a lameness or giving it a, a quantification is very important, and it's important that this be a standardized uh, system and. The importance of that is so that veterinarians can confer among themselves as well as owners and trainers can be uh, cognizant of what a given score means. So it should be consistent so that it can be scored either within one horse or between horses so that there's an understanding of what uh, each grade of lameness refers to. Now, ideally, it would be nice if this were consistent on a worldwide basis, but currently in the United States or North America, we use a scale uh, from 0 to 5, whereas in Europe, they use a scale that's uh, 0 to 10. Now, I'm, I'm going to go over the lameness grading so that our listeners will have an understanding, and this will be the scoring system that's used in North America. And it's a, a slight modification of the scoring system uh, guidelines that have been put forth by the American Association of Equine Practitioners. 
So in this most commonly used scoring system for lameness, the scores or the lameness grades are based on observing the horse at the trot in hand on a straight line on a firm or hard surface. So in this, with these parameters, a lameness score of zero would mean the horse is sound. A lameness score or lameness grade of one would refer to a mild lameness that's observed by the horse is trotted in a straight line. You may see a subtle head nod or a slight uh, pelvic hike in, in uh, the case of a hind limb lameness, but they may be inconsistent at times. Uh, moving on to a grade two lameness, that would refer to an obvious lameness that is observed. There's going to be a consistent head nod or pelvic hike in a horse that's a grade two uh, lame. The grade three lameness would refer to the horse with a pronounced head nod or pelvic hike. And if the horse has a unilateral singular hind limb lameness, a head and neck nod is seen when the diagonal forelimb strikes the ground. In other words, if the horse was lame on the right hind, you would see a head nod and neck nod on the left front at the time of that striking the ground. Moving on in our scoring system, a grade four would refer to a severe lameness with an extreme head nod and a pelvic hike uh, that's present consistently but the horse could still be trotted. And then finally, our last lameness score would be a grade five, and that would refer to the horse that does not bear any weight on the lame limb. And if trotted, the horse would carry the limb. Now, of course, horses that are non-weight-bearing at the walk should never be trotted. So those, that, that gives our listeners an idea when they hear of a lameness score, uh, what those scores refer to. Now, there are a few caveats to go with that scoring system. It, the system really does not account for a horse that has a bilaterally symmetrical gait abnormality. And it can be difficult to apply to a horse that has a lameness in more than one limb. So it's most useful in referring to a horse that has a single uh, limb lameness. And it's also important to recognize that most of the horses, or many of the horses, certainly performance horses that are submitted for evaluation, many of those horses uh, will have a very subtle degree of lameness that may just be reflected as poor performance. And those lameness scores or grades will typically between, be between zero and one. Um, and in some cases, practitioners will also even use a half score. They may say the horse is you know, half a degree lame out of five or one and a half out of five. It's just adding another increment of discrimination between those grades of lameness. But it is important for our listeners to have an understanding of that. So when their veterinarian makes a reference to their horse being a grade two lame, they'll have an understanding of what that means. And also, it's important to understand that it's the grade two would be out of five in North America. And so that is sort of the framework that, that we as veterinarians work in and provides a framework for our listeners to have an understanding of the uh, consistency applied to different severities of lameness. We're going to uh, talk about uh, limb flight and how it can play a role in, under, in the understanding of lameness and also in uh, the role it plays in, in the generation of lameness, if you will, in the horse. And I'll, I'll start by talking generally about some areas of uh, limb flight that are abnormal and, and how that can affect a horse's gait and their way of going. Now, obviously, abnormalities of limb flight can cause interference of one limb with another limb. And I'm going to talk about some horses other than just the, the hunters and jumpers that are 
primarily our listeners for this show, just to include it for completeness and also because, as you know, even though something may be typical in one breed of horse or one discipline of equestrian activity, it does not preclude it from happening in other uh, types of horses or in other disciplines. So in this case, one of the things, one of the types of horses and disciplines where you see interference a lot and from which a great deal of understanding of interference can be gained is in the, in the standard bred world. Trotters and pacers are continually dealing with limbs interfering with one another and how to make adjustments in the horse's equipment as well as in the horse's hoof balance um, to help minimize that interference. And in any horse, faulty conformation can increase the risk of developing interference, and any gait uh, at speed has an increased likelihood of interference. So you have a greater likelihood of interference at the trot than at the walk and more at the canter than at the, than at the trot. And again, faulty conformation combined with a faster gait is going to lead to even greater incidents or likelihood of interference happening. Now, chronic, chronic interference can in itself be a sole reason for lameness or poor performance in the horse. And again, this is commonly noted in, in standard bred racehorses. You'll have a horse that potentially hits its knees or hits one area of the leg, and that can itself be a cause for lameness because of the trauma. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about front foot interference. And first, I'll talk about the one front foot hitting the other front foot. Horses that toe out tend to wing in in their limb flight. Uh, and because of that, it predisposes them to interference, one, you know, one front foot hitting the other front foot. Additionally, a horse that has a base narrow conformation is predisposed to having that forelimb interference. Now, some horses will walk very closely, very narrow, uh, but then will widen out as they uh, increase their speed at the faster gates, and there's not a problem, but something to watch for. Now, you can also have interference where one hind foot is hitting the other hind foot. This, I think, is probably more common in our hunters and jumpers. You'll see the horse that travels close behind, and they tend to sometimes, you'll see scars or scrapes either on the inside of their pasterns or their fetlocks, and you'll see a lot of horses that have to wear hind ankle boots to protect that area. And that, that can be a cause of lameness just because of the trauma of hitting the other leg. As you can imagine, that would get quite sore. Those issues can be addressed uh, by shoeing issues, by shoeing uh, methods sometimes. But again, it's something to look at when you're looking at a horse. Uh, just something to take notice of. How closely does the horse travel behind? Is there any indication that there's been any interference? Are there any scars or is there any thickening of the skin or a loss of hair in the area of the inside of the fetlocks or the pastures that could give you a little bit of a tip-off? to that. Now, you can also have interference with the same limb. This is probably most common in trotters or gated horses, and when you have interference with the same limb, what happens is the hoof or shoe hits the elbow of the same side. Now, you can also see this occasionally in jumpers. Certain horses will jump in such a way where they really tuck their knees up and they can actually bang the back of their forearm or their elbows with their shoes. And that it's very rare, but it certainly can be seen. Probably more common is a horse that may hit their abdomen, uh, thus the, the popularity of the belly guard girth, which uh, help prevent trauma from 
the shoes and also from studs that horses may have in their shoes uh, from injuring them when they snap their knees up so significantly. Now, the other type of um, interference that you could have is front, uh, front foot hitting the same hind limb. Again, this is, uh, I will bring some examples from the standard bread world because we, some of the terminology comes from that field, but also these things can be seen in all, in all disciplines of horses. Now, it, the term for the interference depends where the front foot is hitting the hind limb. Scalping is a term that's used to describe interference where the front foot hits the dorsal aspect of the hind foot or hits basically near the coronary band on the, on the front of the back foot. Speedy cutting is another terminology, and that's used when the front foot is hitting the front aspect of the back pastern. And then shin hitting, shin hitting is exactly what it sounds like. The front foot is hitting the, the front of the back cannon bone. And then occasionally you can also have hawk hitting, but that would be pretty unlikely. Uh, and in pacers, you will sometimes see the front foot hitting the opposite hind limb, but that's usually only in pacers. Now, in hind foot interference, we have what's called forging, and I would imagine that most of our listeners are probably somewhat familiar with forging, and that is when the hind foot is, sitting, is hitting the front foot on the same side. Sometimes you'll hear, you'll hear this. You can hear, uh, you know, a, a classic uh, clanking sound, basically, or clicking sound. The hind foot with the shoe will hit the front shoe on the, on the same side. Many times it happens when the horse is a little bit long. They haven't been shod recently. It can lead to problems because the horse may overreach uh, and pull off that front shoe. It doesn't necessarily, the, the forging in itself doesn't necessarily cause lameness, and it is something that many, in many cases can be addressed by shoeing changes. Um, but it is something also to take notice of, particularly if you're looking at a new horse or looking at a horse to purchase. I would evaluate that closely because if it is something that's severe, it could potentially lead to some lameness problems down the road, or if not lameness, it could lead to management issues down the road in terms of keeping the shoes on and, and preventing significant trauma to the front feet or the heels of the front feet from that interference from the hind limbs. And so that's, those are some basic ideas about limb flight and interference. And the next area that we'll be talking about will be more specific abnormalities of limb flight in the forelimb and then also in the hind limb that we can go on to talk about, and we can talk about different um, problems associated with different conformations and different limb flight patterns. Here I am hanging out with Janet Geyer, the lady who invented Daily Dose Equine horse feeds. All of those formulas are from her big brain. And the latest in the lineup of non-GMO verified horse feeds is something called mass no sass, which I think is adorable. So what led you to develop this feed and who's it for? Well, okay. So uh, I have a horse named Charlie and Charlie was actually eating carb buster. But what we were doing was adding a lot of barley into his feed. And we were going through bags of carb buster and bags of um, barley. And I thought to myself, why don't I just make a feed out of this? It'd be perfect for all these horses that need extra weight, but they don't necessarily need to get hot on something like oats. So what we did is create the product, which is Mass No Sass, which is uh, basically made of alfalfa and Timothy hay. And then we put some barley in it, which digests in the foregut, keeping them nice and calm. Uh, we put in a lot of vitamins and minerals, 
That's how it all got started. Charlie's fault. <laughs> it's Charlie's fault. So this is an ideal feed for what you might call hot-blooded horses, the thoroughbreds, the Arabians, right. the horses that, that need those calories because they have a, a metabolism that requires it, but they really don't right. need any extra energy of the naughty sort. Right, exactly. It keeps them nice and calm. Um, it's got a lot of fat in it, so it's 15% fat. It's 21% fiber, so it's really healthy, and uh, they seem to really enjoy it, which is nice. Something that's a little bit different about daily dose equine horse feeds, too, is the feeding rate is a little bit different than most commercial feeds because you don't have the extra stuff in there. So what is the recommended feeding rate to get your horse started on mass no sass? Mass no sass should be fed at a rate of four pounds a day for an 1100 pound horse. That's pretty if low. You've got a really skinny guy. <laughs> you could go up to five, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's pretty low. We also added in some edible clay into this formula as well as lysine. So lysine is the first uh, rate limiting amino acid. And uh, we added that in along with canola oil and peas. There we so go. the omegas are really great in there, and uh, the horses just love it. It's not just high in fat. It's high in the good kinds of fat. Exactly. There we go. That makes a difference. So if you want to learn more about Daily Dose Equine Horse Feeds or find a local dealer near you, you can go to www.dailydoseequine.com. Or alternately, if you need to buy yourself a bag or three of Daily Dose Equine Horse Feeds, and there are six different formulas, you can go to Chewy.com, and there you will find fast and convenient nationwide shipping. Well, I have a study show for you, and for those that are new to the show, we've been doing this for years, I just go on Google, and I put in study show, and I take a look at the last month, and I see what kind of ridiculous things we have spent money studying. And, you know, I, don't look, I only look at the headlines. I don't look at the content. So if you want to see the content to any of these studies, you have to look it up yourself. Google your all, own study show. All I care about is the ridiculousness of most of these studies and the fact that we're actually spending money on them. Okay, let's hear it. Do you want to guess or do you want me to just tell you? I like the guessing part. Okay, all right. Study uses science to confirm that blanking a dog is good for your health. Well, I mean, <laughs> petting a dog, but this is not weird news. We done this? I know, I, I got to separate the two. Yeah, <laughs> please news. don't go there. I was thinking of spanking a dog is good for you. Like, uh, it's got to be petting a dog. I give you that. Ding, ding, ding. Cuddling a dog is good for your health. Ooh, I do like cuddling. I have a basset hound who I spoon every night. Makes oh, well, so basset happy. hound's perfect for that. They're just oh, yeah. It's like a big, giant piece of furniture you put in <laughs> yeah. bed. Yeah, that's perfect for that. We've met more dogs on this trip, let me tell you. A lot of dogs. Chad is I, like, I don't understand why you're facing that direction. Because uh, this one's more fun to spoon than you. <laughs> I uh, actually say, oh, because I had shoulder surgery, I can't lay on that shoulder. He's like, we can switch sides. <laughs> we could. Yeah, but we had the shoulder surgery, and now we can lay on that shoulder. It's still a little sore. Surgery. With... Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, by the way, the first three of these are dog-related, so it was, it was uh, dog study month. Studies show that dogs are born ready. They are born ready. 
<laughs> studies show dogs are born ready, ready to? to I don't know. That sounds silly, whatever it is. Communicate with humans. Okay, that's stupid. <laughs> well, that's why it's in study show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying you're stupid. I'm saying the story's stupid. Uh third one. Dog. Because they're dogs? actually not born ready to communicate. Their eyes aren't even open. <laughs> Studies show dogs love blank more than they love treats. The dogs love affection. Well, almost attention. I, I, I'll, give you, I'll give you that. Yeah, it's uh, dogs love owners more than they do love treats. I find that hard to believe because any dog I ever had would walk away from me to get a treat. So, yeah, I was going to say, mm. if you put a cookie in the driveway and you put me on the other side of the driveway, that yeah. dog's going to the cookie. It's going to the cookie, not coming to you first. <laughs> it'll get, it'll our... come to you right after, but yeah. it's going to the cookie first. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we just don't train our dogs well enough. I don't know. Um, studies show that just eight weeks of meditation can. Oh, gosh. Eight weeks of meditation? Will it get rid of the dark circles under my eyes? <laughs> <laughs> That's not the answer. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> By the way, Jamie and I don't know a damn thing about meditation because there's no way in hell we could sit for five minutes with our own thoughts and not get up. Somebody was just asking, my friend Jen was in town. She's like, what books are you reading? I was like, oh, that is so funny. <laughs> to read, you have to sit still. And I yeah, so and envy people that can sit down and read a book. Like there's a woman I see every week at karate. She reads a different book every week and she's just so into books. And like, she sits there and I'm just like, I can't even sit here for the hour of karate. Okay. Like, <laughs> oh my God. So when I hear. I wish that I could. When I read these studies at 15 or 20 minutes of meditation a day, you know, changes your life completely. I'm like, how about five? What's that do for me? Will five Imagine, get me anything? <laughs> do, do, in this, do you have to sit still for eight weeks? <laughs> like, well, eight say, weeks of meditation would grow cobwebs <laughs> on your butt. You have to find a commune somewhere die. to hang out. Research shows just eight weeks of meditation can make your brain quicker. It just makes mine crazy. Do you know really what I what did is does. I downloaded an app that's like a word search game because it told me my brain would be smarter after I did this. So I'm already, mm. I feel like I'm already there. I don't want to be too smart. I, mean, uh, I get then it. Everybody yeah. else is dumb around me. Yeah. Well, I'd have to fire you too. You wouldn't be good for the show then. Yeah. It's um, <laughs> <laughs> too smart. <laughs> Studies show food choices in an all you eat can eat buffet is linked to. Oh my God. Obesity. Yes. Ding, ding. Big surprise there. We studied oh that you a buffet will make you fat. If I choose all the fattening, unhealthy, sugar-laden corn syrup dripping food instead of the salad bar, I'm going to get fat? That is worth spending and money on. It's kind of ironic considering where we are right now, which is in the heart of Pennsylvania Dutch country. And I don't know if you know anything about Dutch cooking, but it is pretty much all fat. Yeah, I saw yeah. that dessert thing you were eating. I was it's like, oh, hot oh, heartburn looking so at good. it. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I got the tiny ones, though, the minis, so I wouldn't eat them. I, we got, uh, yeah. Okay, next. Uh, studies show that short naps do not. Well, I took a 20-minute power nap the other day, and it was amazing. So short naps do not replace a good night's sleep. 
You are nailing it today. Studies show that short naps do not relieve sleep deprivation. I tend to argue with that. I always feel better after a short nap. I took a 20-minute nap. I was like, oh, my God. I woke up feeling amazing. I almost read this one, but then I would have broken my own rules, so I didn't. Uh, Hula hoops help. Hula hoops by the way, well, they don't the help get you talked about hula hoops. <laughs> they aren't going to get you laid. So <laughs> <laughs> I've never been like, wow, that guy is so hot. He is so good at hula hooping. <laughs> He's doing the hula hoop. Wow. Okay. I don't know. Hula hoops help strengthen your abdomen, back and waist. Duh. Um, yeah. Duh. I think we've known that since the 1950s. Wait, actually. wait, Glenn, are you telling me exercise is Healthy and good yes. makes you yes. stronger. And buffets that are crazy. not. <laughs> that is crazy. We can combine some of these studies today. I'm Last so one. Uh, are you right or left-handed? I'm right-handed. Chad, left. Mm. Yeah, I hated this study too. Uh, studies show left-handed people really are not as smart as right-handed people. I wanted that to be the answer. Because <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer's left-handed, too. Studies show left-handed people really are more gifted than right-handed people. Okay, my twin brother is left-handed, and that is absolutely false. <laughs> and I can but say that because he's not your husband is an airline pilot. He's very gifted. Like he says, he is the best bus driver in the sky there is. <laughs> and my wife's a gifted, gifted horse trainer. And look, I'm sitting here talking to you. So yeah, there's Look that. at us. We win. Yeah. <laughs> So there you go. There's there's a study show for the month of August. Now we're going to talk to you a little bit about Uncle Jimmy's, his hanging balls and his licky things. We've been handing them out. Every horse uh, on this trip has it's funny every time squeezy oh. buns. Yeah, I know it is. We're going to talk about we're going to talk to you about Uncle Jimmy's hanging balls. And there is no more fun that we have had doing commercials over the last 10 years than about Uncle Jimmy's products. And we're almost out of ones to hang out, hand out. We're, that's how I can tell the trip's over, because we're running out of squeezy buns to hand out. But I really have not find a, found a horse yet. Babies, old horses, young horses, uh, very fancy horses, very plain horses, mules, donkeys, all have eaten the squeezy buns and they're squeezy. They're wrapped individually. So they're soft. So you can put a, you can put medicine in them and squish them together. Uh, and that was the real reason for them in the first place. And I help make some. So if you go out and buy them in the store, you're probably going to get a bucket that I help put together, which means it'll be short counted because there's supposed to be 65. And I got to about 30 and lost count. So you're either you, have whatever more you've you're lost your interest. <laughs> That's you're either going to have more or less than you're supposed to have in that particular bucket. I don't know which. What I like so, about them is you don't have to give them all of it at the same time. You can kind of, you know, it's not like hard to break yes. apart. It's like a, it's squeezy. And so you it's just squeezy. squeeze it in, yeah. in half or quarters and then you can put it in the bucket. Oh, I did find out because I have, we haven't talked much about this. They still make the pecker wreckers. Oh, thank God. <laughs> they do. They still make the pecker wreckers. Apparently, you can still get them. And for those that have no idea what we're talking about, this is not dirty. This is It's a chicken hangy. It's like a hanging ball for chickens. The pecker With a better name. <laughs> so let's uh, go next to our... Well, what do you think? Do you want to do some weird news? We can do that. Let's next. do it. Did you get any? Oh, just listen. Time to learn why some days you're embarrassed to be part of the human race in Jamie's Weird News. You are recording this, right? Because I'm not doing this again. No, I got it. I so hope. I would like.
like to thank the following individuals for sending me weird news. Are you re- are you sitting down? Here we yes, go. Yes, I'm, I'm ready. And some of these sent multiple stories. Laureen, Jennifer, Jenny, Sandy, Nicole, Rebecca, who came all the way from Sydney, Australia to send me some. Uh, Sarah, Nikki, Glenn, Olivia, Jolyn, Anna, Claire, and Casey all sent me weird news stories. So I'm going to try to get to as many as I can until Glenn tells me I have to stop talking. So remember, these are stories that are in the news that you're like, wow, that's a that's weird a lot story. of people. We're right? going to, have to do one whole episode a week just to do weird news. <laughs> I know. I know. And so these stories come from real, almost, I got to say, I have a redact, redacted news story by the way, and I'll get to that in a second. But these are real stories that are posted online. And if you see a story and you're like, oh my God, that's weird. Email it to me, jamie at horseradionetwork.com. Weird news in the subject line. And then I will be able to find it and use it in the next episode. Now, uh, let's start. Let's go. Oh, we're going to go to the French island of Corsica. Doesn't that just sound romantic, Glenn? The French island of Corsica on the beach. Well, unfortunately, beaches are closed. The beaches, Wally World is closed, people. (laughs) Turn around and go home. Why uh, why are certain beaches on the French island of Corsica closed? Because there are... If it was New Jersey, it'd be needles. Yeah, no, it's not that. The island has over 15,000... Oh, study show. What are there 15,000 of in the French island of Corsica? Turtles. No, cows, Glenn. Cows. Really? And the cows have grown accustomed to being the inhabitants of the beaches, hills, and villages and are now turning aggressive and attacking locals and tourists as they try to go tend to the beach. And there are multiple stories of people. And guess what most of them are? Is people going, oh, my God, it's so good. I want to get a picture. And then, bam, they get hit. Because they're, it's like the people in uh, Yellowstone that are like, I'll take a picture with a buffalo, which my parents made me do. Get closer. Get get a little closer. Yeah, trying to kill me. (laughs) So uh, don't go to, if if your plans included going to the French island of Corsica, bring some cow spray, like bear spray. Do you know what, what more people get hurt by in the United States than any other animal? In the U.S.? Oh, I don't know. Cows. Oh, well, I should have guessed. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I brought it up. Yeah. It's happening a lot in uh, in France, too. <laughs> oh. Come um, on. Oh, what do you sorry. do? Sorry. Sleeping on the job. This story is coming at you from Australia. That's right. We're international today. And this is a story about... Haliana Alati. She's 25 years old, and she was in a Sydney store on Monday. And she was in a in a grocery store. I guess this was Monday before last. And she was in the aisle where they have the spices. And she says that she was, um, oh, it's a Woolworths. And it's a Woolworths that lies on the edge of a large expanse of bushland on the city's northwest outskirts. And uh, she was going into the uh, spices and and pulled one out. And she said, quote, I just turned my head. And he was 20 centimeters from my face, just looking Ooh. straight at me. That's right. What animal was it, Glenn? It had to Can be a snake. Guess? It had to be a snake. <laughs> she said she did a double take, but remained calm. No one else is around. 
She recognized it instantly as a diamond python. It's not oh, venomous. That's, yeah, that doesn't sound bad at all. Diamond no, I, anything no. that says python, it's fine. Uh, she said he was looking straight at me the whole time. Almost <laughs> like he was saying, can you take me outside, please? Well, <laughs> perfect situation is that Miss Alati is a trained snake handler. And is oh, well, that worked out well. <laughs> at, yes, it was like, she's here. Thank God. Finally, can you get me out of here? She said that people have, her friends joke that she's a snake girl. They say she has speaks parcel tongue. So she actually <laughs> told, she alerted the managers at the Woolworths. She's like, hey guys, so don't freak out, but there's a snake and I'm going to run home and I'm going to get my snake bag. So she actually ran home. And got her snake bag and put it there. She ta- she said she's tapped the snake on the tail and it just went right into the bag. She said, to be honest, it's the most exciting thing that's happened in a while given lockdown. So the staff was all taking photos of it. And uh, <laughs> very exciting. The Woolworths. You know what? Australia, you can take it. I didn't I, even know there was a Woolworths still open. That was the other thing. <laughs> only in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> it's the other thing. God, there's only one place in the world with more stuff that'll kill you. Well, two places that with more stuff than Florida. That's Australia and China apparently florida australia china and arizona everything is going to kill you (laughs) glenn sent me this one actually and this is my god anthony spinelli 28 years old was just fined 620 dollars because he was having a gender reveal party what could possibly go wrong this is in new hampshire right near the state line of massachusetts and um apparently (laughs) He had a gender reveal party and that included blowing something up and he used 80 pounds of explosives in this gender reveal party. And apparently local residents complained that the foundations of their homes were damaged after the shockwaves <laughs> rattled properties within a 20 <laughs> mile radius. 20 miles. People's plumbing was destroyed nearby. And Anthony Spinelli, 28-year-old Kingston, New Hampshire man, has pleaded guilty to a disorderly conduct charge. (laughs) I hope he has to pay for the repairs on everybody's houses. That's 80 pounds of explosives. There are doorbell cameras that they've posted, and you can see the ring doorbell, and all of a sudden it, like, vibrates. (laughs) From the gun. He caused an earthquake. (laughs) <laughs> he basically did. It just That's goes on bomb. and on. But yeah. Um, uh, way to go, Anthony. buddy. What could possibly go wrong? By the way, before we go on to the next one, when did gender reveal parties become a thing? I don't know. My ne- my cousin's children, they're all in their early 20s and they all had kids and they do these like ridiculous balloons in the sky and then they're in texas so they shoot the balloon and like whatever powder comes out it's i don't know it's i don't know it just used to be you you called your mother and said hey i got news hey yeah is that a penis on that thing (laughs) no okay it's a girl there you go yeah i i I don't know where that came from or when it started i would like for you right now to google african watusi w-a-t U.S.I. An African Watusi, if you don't know. Anything like that fly? Uh, No, not at all. Like the fly. It's a little bigger. Oh, this, they have one of these at at, um, Animal Kingdom. Do you know where else they have one? 
at a Texas Petco. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> a Texas Petco welcomed a very large guest this week when an African Watusi stopped by for a visit. His name is Oliver. He has his own Facebook page. He's fully trained and can be led on a leash. You can even hire him for events. Um, apparently, his owner, Shelly Lumpkin, and trainer Vincent Browning took uh, Oliver to a local Petco. And, you know, they can't turn away animals. And this pictures... Like, how did he even turn his head without knocking things off the These horns are the width of a human body, okay? They're ginormous. This is such a large animal. They are so thick. The horns are so thick. It says in Oliver's Facebook page, we decided to take a chance and call pet clothes... Call Petco's bluff on the quote, all leashed pets are welcome policy. <laughs> Not only did the employees welcome him, they also spent time taking pictures and petting I bet him. They did. <laughs> Petco did release a statement when we mean all, we mean all. <laughs> <laughs> the horns on this thing must weigh 200. Oh, How's the thing holding? He has to have back issues holding oh, that. It's, like it's like having big boobs. You have lower back pain. Poor, poor guy. He needs a chiropractor. <laughs> And they look very sharp. Yeah. Did you see they have stuck? I hope. Oh, they duct taped them on. They duct taped flags onto the end of his horns. Oh, I think that's just embarrassing, actually. <laughs> I don't know. He doesn't have it in the store. Uh, yeah. This picture, he has flags on the end of his horns. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Next story. Oh, I have one more. Oh, I can keep going. I could go all day. I had so many stories submitted. All right, so last fantastic. one, and then we'll do we'll do another one in the post show that we can't do here. But I, but I'm gonna I have to do this one because I okay. teased it because yeah, this, this is one. the yeah. redacted news story. Oh, okay. Yeah. What happened? This was sent to me by several people, and it is drama for your mama. So I clicked the link, and the link was gone. Like, what is it? What does it mean? It's gone. By the way, I do have a story in Oklahoma and a Florida story. So if you want to do those in the post show, we can do those then. Um, so uh, Friday afternoon, last Friday, there was a report of a woman who she adopted a puppy and it was right outside of the Detroit fruit market. Okay. So the drama is lady goes in, meets a guy and adopts a puppy and picks up the puppy, takes it home. And everybody is like, oh my God, you just adopted a hyena. She was out the Detroit fruit market, gets a dog from a guy, takes it home. And she's like, oh my God, I got a hyena from this guy, a hyena. And this was a very, very huge news story for like a day. Okay. Um, turns out since posting the original story, WXYZ TV, that's a great call letters for a news station, mm-hmm. WXYZ TV, has discovered that the video she provided of the alleged hyena was doctored. <laughs> Additionally, the Detroit resident we initially interviewed has refused to give us a veterinarian's name to confirm the visit that she described to the TV station in detail. Great detail. So they are saying that at this time, we do not believe that the woman's accounts are true. How hungry are you for clicks and likes if you are like faking the news story about a puppy? Boy, that's that's tough. I mean, and you actually had to put some work in. She doctored I mean, she, 
images of a puppy and then went to the news story and was like, WXYZ TV, um, I adopted a puppy. No, people will do anything for some sort of notoriety of, oh, I don't know. I don't know. But if you're not going to let me do any more, we're going to end with that. In the post show, I'm going to do a story about Oklahoma, Florida, and just some creatures looking for a little love. Very good. Well, we are expecting. I'm. I'm. I'm kind of excited. Uh, we're expect. We're having a mini reunion today, Jamie, and it is nothing to do with horses. Uh, a couple of the cast from the old acting company I had, the Medieval Feasting Guild, are coming, driving a couple hours to visit with us this afternoon. We're going to hang out together. First time we've seen them in 33 years. So they're coming down. That's going to be a lot of fun. And for those of you that are new listeners going, what the hell is he talking about? We, we owned an acting company for 10 years that we did medieval feasts. Uh, Jennifer and I actually met at the Pennsylvania Renaissance Fair. So I posted a picture in the auditor room of the cast uh, so that those of you who haven't seen it can take a look at it. But yeah, so I'm kind of excited we're going to do that. And then the guy who got me started in, in insurance all those years ago when I was uh, in insurance and investments for 15 years, we're having dinner at his house tonight. So it's kind of a non-horsey day here at uh, in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Are you going to kick him in the shin for putting you in that fun industry of insurance? <laughs> yeah, but that industry led to this. So, you know, I, I view it this way. Just like you, everything I did in the past led to what I'm doing today. Now, not all of it was great, but... <laughs> But there was a reason, right? True, true. Yeah. Everything so, happens for a reason. Yeah, you... I, I, we both believe that. So, yeah, I do believe that, it, you know, it all led to this. This this glory that we have doing this show every day. <laughs> this, this, <laughs> this huge money-making lifestyle that you have. One other funny story before we go. Uh, Danielle brought her daughter, who's four. And she's at that age where pretty much she doesn't say anything and just sticks out her tongue a lot uh, at everything. Uh, but apparently she loves to clean the stalls. That's her job at the barn, and she loves to clean the stalls. I don't know if Lucas ever went through the stall cleaning phase. So I said, well, we're not at a barn, but I said, do you want to try a new kind of uh, manure fork? And I got out the shaken fork. And we didn't tell her what was going to happen. So we had her pick up some dirt on the fork, and we had her press the button. And she screamed, threw it in the air, and went running behind mom. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Bless her <laughs> heart. Terrified the poor kid. She, had, she didn't want anything to do with that manure fork after that. Yeah, so uh, this is the first person we found on this entire trip that didn't like the shaken fork. She was four. She apparently <laughs> Well, you know what? That's going to tie into a story and weird news that is going to be in the post. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Well, and I got to say that uh, Joseph did report that he's been selling some shaken forks and flex and forks since we started the trip. So good on you, Joseph. If you want to check out the shaken fork and find out why it's becoming so popular, go on over to equitymfg.com. All right, let's call it a day here on the main show and we'll go over and do a post show. And then we have, we're dark tomorrow uh, because it's supposed to be the sales and breeding episode. But Kale is moving to Florida to near me. So she had to pack everything up in Maryland. She's been packing and moving and she'll be back next month. So tomorrow we're dark and then Friday we'll be back. Get your ads into Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. We have great prizes this month. We have like uh, four or $500 in prizes provided by horselovers.com. So get your ads in and we'll see you here on Friday. Hey, by the way, I did forget to mention Tiana was also on the list of weird news submitters. I just saw her. So anyway, spay, neuter, geld.